and praise. Let's go before the only worthy one in prayer before we begin our time in the Word this evening. Father, you are worthy. You're worthy because you're good. You're worthy because you're holy. You're worthy because you made us. You're worthy because you revealed yourself to us so that we might know that you're worthy. You're worthy because you're the best of all beings, none greater. You're worthy because of all that you've done for us. And not only that, you're worthy because of who you are. You are good and you're perfect and you're holy and you're majestic. You're worthy. Would you speak to us through your word? That we might be encouraged and uplifted by what you have revealed this evening. Would you lead us in the continued prayer to you together that we might be built up this evening? We ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, our Robert Murray McShane daily reading for this past Monday, those of you who are doing that, we just wrapped up 2 Timothy chapter 4. And since I just recently preached the end of chapter 3 in a sermon titled, God Breathed and All We Need on a Sunday morning, kind of a few, uh, a few months ago, before the baby sometime, it's all blending together, it's hard to remember uh, dates and such, uh, this will serve as really part two, a real short part two this evening, following up on that sermon. So turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 4. And, and uh, we're going to look at one, verses 1 to 5 for our short devotional sermon this evening, titled Itching Ears, as you can see on the screens. While you're turning there, I want you to think about your children when they were young. Or if you have young children now, like myself, you could just think about them, how they are now. Here's the tie-in with our morning sermon on children's discipleship here, this illustration If we just let our kids, who, as the Proverbs tell us, come from the womb as foolish unbelievers, as we saw this morning, if we just let our kids, who are needing to be discipled and corrected and taught the Bible, if we just let our kids run the home and set the standard and allowed their every preference to determine how we were going to act as parents... Think about that with your own kids as you think back. If we did that kind of thing, what would you call that? Well, I think we'd call it terrible parenting, parental malpractice, failure to actually parent. You're letting the kid parent you in that situation. This is kind of what the passage tonight is about, except as it relates to our church and not specifically the home here. Let's see it for ourselves in point number one. God wants you to hear sound, expository preaching. Let's see it from 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verses 1 and 2. This is God's word. And Paul, 
writes to Timothy, and he says this to him, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. God wants you to hear sound expository preaching. You see how I switched it on you there? The passage is Paul telling Timothy to preach the word. And here I am switching things up to make an emphasis on you, the listener. What's that all about? Shouldn't it be something about preach the word point? Why are you talking about me here? This is about Paul writing to the preacher. What are you doing there, Daniel? Well, if Timothy is to preach the word and to actually open up the word of God in application and teaching, and if this is all with God as being the final arbiter, Jesus Christ being the judge. Look how weighty those first, that first verse is. The charges in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, the judge. He's the one who we answer to. Then what Paul is charging Timothy with is pretty weighty and significant, isn't it? Really, really weighty. Not something to mess around with. And if Paul charges Timothy to preach the word in a way that lays bare the actual word of God, then expository sermons where the preacher actually takes for his message or his sermon from the word of God, he takes it seriously and explains and applies and exhorts the word of God. That's what expository preaching is. Expository preaching should be preaching the actual word of God so that when you read the passage here, you think, okay, what was Pastor's sermon about? Well, oh, let, I have a hard time remembering. Let's go back and read the passage. We read the passage, like, oh yeah, that's right. That's what he was talking about. If you go back and read the passage that, quote, passage the pastor was, was preaching about and it has nothing to do with what you read on the page, then they're not, what, preaching the word. They're doing something else. So this means, by implication, just kind of still trying to answer this question of why I switched it on you. This is where the spin is. This is this is where kind of this is where I'm going here with this. This means that God wants you, dear Christian, every one one of us who hears the word of God, he wants you, he wants us all as Christians. If you're a child of God, if you're a believer, he wants you to hear and listen only to sound or true, doctrinally correct biblical preaching that expounds the word of God. If he wants Timothy to preach the word this way, then he wants you to listen to only that kind of preaching. Does that make sense? That you see where I'm going here with this first point? God wants it for you because he knows that is what is most healthy for you, for us. Other teaching may seem flashy, but if it isn't grounded... In the word of God, it will not be sound teaching and it will not be able to bear up against the weight of God the judge and Christ Jesus who stands there judging the ministries that are going on in churches. 
Preachers who go that way are failing to do what God, our great king and judge, has commissioned pastors to do and churches to be about and for members to listen to. Someone who goes in a different direction is just all out of whack. So don't listen to pastors who go this other way. Don't put up with it. Don't listen to it. Go to church or listen to podcasts or sermons or watch on TV. Only those who give you the word of God like Paul is exhorting here. Because it's too consequential for you. Because God knows what we all need. We saw from our other sermon on chapter 3 of 2 Timothy that God's word is inspired and breathed out by him in such a way that what we have in the Bible is what God has intended for us and is good enough for us. It's sufficient for us, for life and godliness and practice, for church living, for everything. It's right here found in the word. So if someone abandons that, what are you saying to God? I don't believe you. I don't trust you. I'm going to go in a different direction. You don't want to do that kind of thing. We can't make our own stuff up. The Bible is sufficient for us. We don't listen to our kids who would prefer an all-sugar diet. We listen to God, the judge, as it relates to the church. We want sound doctrine, word preaching. That is what you should listen to. That's what God wants you to listen to. That's what pastors should be giving themselves over to in their labor in the word to feed the congregation. This leads us to our second point in number two. So God, in number one, wants you to hear sound expository preaching. In number two, God knows, though, that some people will want unsound, unbiblical preaching. It says it right here in the passage. Look with me at verses 3 and 4 for this. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. Do you see that? But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. God is calling the shots here through the Apostle Paul and warning Timothy and warning us that some people, believe it or not, will actually desire and look for preaching that is not sound. They will esteem and pursue and value unsound and unbiblical preaching, actually. The exact opposite of what Paul is charging Timothy with what God as judge wants for our churches. In a sense, God wants us to hear only the sound doctrines and biblical preaching. We must push against this expectation of some, of the some. We need to be aware that it's there. We need to push against the expectation of the some. Some people are going to want the opposite. We need to push against that as a faithful church. Do you love the preaching of God's word? Is God's word enough for you? Is that what you're hungering for? Or do you need other things? Do you need some extra just sugar or whatever may not be good for you? Do you need that? Is that what you really, really want and need? Is that what you're pursuing? Is the Bible sufficient 
as we saw that it is from our last sermon, God breathed in all we need in 2 Timothy 3, is it sufficient? Is it good enough? Can it do this work for us? Do you love it? Do you look to it? Do you read it? Do you devour it and study? And do you hear preaching that comes from it and benefit from what the word is giving you? If you do, you better hold tight and fast in a culture and a world that pushes against this. You better be ready to step up and pursue it in light of opposition because we live in a day and age when more and more preachers are willing to itch more and more ears. And more and more listeners are going to look for those types of preachers. And just because some of that might be popular, we know at the end of the day we want God the judge to be smiling upon our lives and ministries and preaching and to be able to say, well done, good and faithful servant. If you go the way of unsound, unbiblical preaching and hearing, you will not hear those words. The preacher will not hear those words. The listeners will not hear those words. We need to look to and love the word of God. Hold fast to the word of God. Because those who are going to give that kind of stuff Just like a parent giving sugar to their kids all the time aren't real true, faithful parents, right? Those pastors who aren't going to give doctrine and the word of God and truth, those aren't real shepherds. Those are just fakers. That's all they are. They're not faithful pastors. We need to be careful here. We need to be warned. Paul's warning us. Paul's warning Timothy. Paul's warning me. Paul's warning you. He charges Timothy to preach the word And a few chapters before, in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15, it says this, and see it on the screen. He says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Verse 16, But avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. who have swerved from the truth, saying, sorry, he he mentions um, gangrene. Among them are uh, Hymenaeus and Philetus, who have swerved from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already happened. They are upsetting the faith of some. You see here from this passage, false doctrine was spreading through churches in Paul's day, and he wanted Timothy to stand up and to protect against and to give healthy doctrine instead. Protect against that that bad stuff, that itching ears type of stuff, that stuff that is going to lead the church off the path. These itching ear types of listeners won't put up with biblical preaching. They just won't. They will demand that their ears be tickled. They're going to want it. They're going to seek it. They're going to ask for it. They're going to pursue it. Let me assure you something here, church. By God's grace and for his glory, I will not be a pastor who seeks to tickle ears here at FBC Gallatin. I can't. I'm not a pastor who can do that. The convictions of his word, the convictions right here are too deep within my heart. I can't do it. Pastor Wood can't do it. We won't do it. Others will. And there will be people who want it. 
But we can't do it because the passage of the Bible can't be any clearer. That's not going to do anyone good. And I'm so thankful that we're at a church that esteems the word of God being preached. I know that about us. I know that about you. But I want us to be aware of the creeping tendency in churches, even good Bible-believing churches like ours. Beware of the tendency for ear-tickling preferences and people who have those preferences who will want that kind of thing coming in and making an impact and, and, and messing us up a little bit as a church. We must point them and others to the Word of God and His marching orders here for our church, and we must not swerve all the way around just because our kids are like, we want you to do this, parents. Or just because somebody in the church might say, hey, we want you to do this. Well, you know what? There are people who want things that are just not good for them. And we know that in experience in our homes with our little children, right? Same thing goes in the church. I hope we can see that. I think that's clearly brought out here in this passage. And this actually leads us now, quite naturally, to our final point. And number three, God calls pastors to faithfulness in sound ministry in spite of of ear-itching preferences in verse 5. That's my longest sermon point I've ever had. Don't recommend it. A terrible sermon point, but hey, uh, it will do. Hopefully, it it will do here. Let's see see it in our passage. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. The point's not terrible in terms of content. It's just super long. That's what I meant, of course. I stand by that point. I'll say it again. Number three, God calls pastors to faithfulness and sound ministry in spite of ear-itching preferences abounding all around. It's my job to stay resolute as your pastor, to continue to give you healthy doctrine from the Word of God, I have no other authority than God's word. This is all that I could influence with, but but God's word. I believe that it's good enough. Do you believe that it's good enough? I I know you, and I know that you do. I want us to continue to esteem that. It's my great privilege to labor in the word week in and week out to feed you with the word of God and not that ear tickling kind of stuff so-called popular or worldly teachings and pursuits might want to go that way, not here at First Baptist Church of Gallatin. I must, as this passage says, always be sober-minded. And what does that mean? That means I must be biblical. I can't let false truths come in, false political things come in, false cultural things come in and influence my teaching so that all of a sudden I'm saying things. You're like, wait, that's not in the Bible. I got to be diligent and vigilant to work hard in the text so that I don't do that kind of thing. Same for Pastor Wood or anybody else who stands up in this pulpit. But it's a privilege to do that. I love that. I'd love to get to do that. Isn't anything else in the world that I would love to do than just this? It's such a blessing, but it's such a weighty task. It's a charge, not only from Paul to Timothy, but from Paul to Timothy and any other pastor who ever walks the face of this earth past, present, or future, and it's all before great God and Jesus Christ who is judge. Now that is weighty. As you try standing up here at the pulpit or teaching in and of our Sunday school, anything that we do, we are speaking as representatives of God, speaking God's word. What a weighty thing. That's why James says in the book of James, not many of you should be teachers. Why? Because teachers will be held to a higher standard. We must take this seriously. We must take the hearing 
of the word seriously. I must take the preaching, same with Wood or anybody else who preaches seriously, because we must be sober-minded. There's too many distractions. There's too many cliffs to drop off of. And it doesn't just affect me. It affects you as a listener. I can't do it. I, I don't want to hurt you. God wants me to give you the word. It's weighty, though. There's nothing else I'd like to do than just this. And I need to endure as a pastor, just as all pastors, in fact, as all Christians, as we've been seeing, even as we've been seeing here in different themes in the Sermon on the Mount, different themes in some of our evening services, we're called to suffering for the sake and the cause of the gospel. The Christian life will include that. That's true for pastors. It's true for Christian church members. It's true in your workplace. It's true in your families. If you're a believer, there will be suffering. And pastors are called. Timothy is called to endure it. And by God's grace, I'm going to seek to endure it. And by God's grace, you will seek to endure it. I'll pray for you. Will you pray for me? We'll pray for each other. We'll pray for our church to endure. Because in a world, a day and age, where people will come against this kind of ministry, we're going to need to pray for each other a lot. We're going to seek to be faithful Christians in this context. And as we see here also... I must preach the gospel, do the work of an evangelist, but if I give in to the ear-tickling preferences, nobody's going to get saved by that kind of stuff, right? Same thing with you. We're all to call to preach the gospel to our family members and friends and children in the home. If we go down the ear-tickling route, nobody's going to get saved by that kind of ministry. Not one person will get saved by ear-tickling ministry. Not one. The stakes are too high. We must not abandon the scriptures. We must not abandon the biblical gospel, the healthy gospel. We must be getting the word to our children, to our unsaved family members and friends, to our unsaved co-workers, to people and neighbors in our community. We must be giving the words not just tickling ears. If we're tickling ears, not one person will be Saved, no one's ministry will be fulfilled. So this is true for me. For me to fulfill my ministry, I have to be faithful to preach the word of God and the word of God alone. This is true for you also. If you're going to fulfill your life and ministry and calling as Christians, you must give the gospel to your children. You must give the gospel to your family members and friends. You must give the word of God and must not shrink back. May this never be at our church. Members of our church, I want us all to be on the same page in this. The stakes are too high. God wants us to be benefiting from the word of God here in this church and benefiting others genuinely with the word of God and sound and healthy doctrine. We need to look to his word. And as a church, just like faithful parents, we must obey God and seek to do what we know is best for people just like we do with those little kids. The little ones, they don't know best. We know that. We need to parent them and teach them. In our church, the mature Christians in this church, the pastors of this church need to give our church and community and the people that walk into this doors, whatever ministry it is, whether it's in whatever teaching ministry, it is, Sunday school ministry or Bible studies and, and uh, Sunday morning ministry and, and worship services or evening 
ministry here in prayer services or during our business, but whatever we do and in every meeting that we have, we must be giving sound and healthy biblical doctrine because we live in a world that's going to want to go in a different way. We can't have too much of the gospel like we saw this morning. We can't have too much of good, sound Bible teaching either. Let's put that forward and esteem that at our church. And as we saw here in this passage, we want to be faithful and do what God wants us to do and hear what God wants us to hear and not go the way of so many people in our day and age that will lead to, to not glorifying God, lead to a judge who says, not well done, good and faithful servant, but depart from me. I never knew you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and its power and direction in our lives. You've given us a, a light and a path and a vision, what we ought to be doing as a church. And we're thankful for that because without that, we would be flailing. Thank you for giving us this truth in this passage. Help us take it to heart, be encouraged about it, and live our lives in our church, in our homes, in our communities for your glory, seeking to have, the, have, have you esteem us and, and have you as our great judge tell us and recognize us as glorifying you and nobody else. We say this in Christ's name. Amen.